1: Yo, and welcome to the 50th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. And I'm joined today by two very special returning guest hosts. Joining us and going to Salt Lake City regionals, we have Rahul Reddy. Hello, everyone. It's me, Rahul. And joining us, not going to Salt Lake City regionals, but going to Liverpool regionals in... The next week we have uh pedro torres aka sanichi 18
2: hello guys how's it going
1: so we got a very special episode for you this week we're going to be talking about all things the current meta heading into salt lake city what's good what's not good what's the play what shouldn't you play all that kind of good stuff and maybe any other regional advice that either of these two people have for us but first and most importantly, I want to give a big congratulations to Natalie Miller, our guest on last week's podcast, for winning with the exact deck that she told us she was going to play, which was Mew VMAX with four Rotom phones, which is apparently the second best card in the deck behind Ultra Ball. So big shout out to Natalie for winning Brisbane. Uh, if you listen to the episode, I don't think anyone who listened should be surprised by that. She was incredibly confident that it would be absolutely everything. And it did it beat Duraladon in the finals despite playing zero basic energies which is kind of ridiculous (laughs) but I'm sure we'll get into that kind of stuff as we kind of talk about the meta heading forward because first Pokemon just tweeted breaking news for the first time ever in the history of a Pokemon podcast we have breaking news
0: (laughs) at 8 p.m eastern (laughs) that's the best
1: part even this 5 p.m this is quitting time on the pacific coast
0: Yeah, someone was like, I'm going to slam this tweet and I'm done for the day. See you guys. (laughs) Play Pokemon just tweeted out that there
1: is going to be two separate streams for Salt Lake City regionals. One for VGC starting at 1045 Pacific time. And I'm not converting that for anyone because that's where I live and that's what I care about. And one for TCG starting at 1130 a.m. So this will be the first regional that we've had streamed since Collinsville. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting Pedro, are you gonna tune in
2: yes, uh, I was actually sad that Brisbane had no stream right because it was a really good weekend to see the first regional after two years um without being able to play official events, so yeah, that's actually really good uh, news that looks like we will have um, a stream this weekend, so I'm kind of excited to see good players playing on stream in real life and to 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 see which which decks they bring because they're definitely gonna help me to decide my play for Liverpool after that potential results in this weekend yeah
1: so you're letting us do all the testing for you
2: well i'm also testing i guess <laughs> um but of course that meta will decide a lot for liverpool too i guess because people will now in the in this era that uh, you can check results um in one second in internet uh, people will normally copy paste lists or just try to beat that meta game, or just play the same meta, right? So that actually will be super relevant, uh, in my opinion.
1: No, I think you're 100 percent right. It's so easy to just yeah. go copy and paste a list, and I've done it. I've done it for regionals, and I've done it successfully at regionals too. So it's definitely not even like a negative thing necessarily. It's it works out pretty darn well. But then that lets people like you and Rahul, who are really that next level meta gaming, sometimes make those moves. So do we think heading into Salt Lake City? going back to brisbane those results do we think that's going to make a big difference like are people going to go net decking natalie or net decking anyone else out of the top cut or we going to see some differences or like how is it going to be affecting that metagame
0: Uh, i think for sure people will copy natalie's list because natalie's list was very um unique with the three double turbo uh it was it was very refined Uh, when a group like that um like, a group of, like, four or five players that are that level of, like, world caliber play one deck, you know, they put the time into it, and, you know, with Natalie winning the event, Kaiwin getting top four, and Brent getting top 16, they produce results. Like, there's uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, so people are probably going to copy and paste it. Um, and I think it's going to come down to a couple of, like, preferential changing your cards, uh, what to do, but the biggest thing with those kinds of lists is going to be, can you pilot it well? Uh, like, obviously, when a deck like that is played everyone now knows the list everyone knows what's going on can you go into like a very hostile room
1: pedro what do you think if you were coming to salt lake would you how heavily would you be considering the brisbane results and how much you think that's going to affect what most players will be bringing
2: yeah i definitely think um it's important to see the results because we already know before the regionals that Mew is Best deck, best deck in the format in my opinion and a lot of people opinions is uh, unbalanced if we compare with other decks um because the potential going first and going second right just going first you can boss turn to a v kind of easy um going second you can kill whatever in the active kind of easy too especially with the triple um, uh, this uh, double turbo energy to spam attacks i mean we, we can see like how in the finals uh, Natalie beats Duraludon, I guess, that is a Pokémon that prevents damage from Special Energies when you play only Special Energies and you still win the finals it's absurd how good the deck is, right? So, I think a lot of people will probably bring Mew because the deck is, in my opinion, the best deck in the format it won the last regionals and, in my opinion, has, like, a lot of difference between Mew and the other decks so, it's a solid deck, it's a really good deck, so even winning that regional for sure, uh, people will bring that deck and probably not at least. So maybe that um, that makes people playing or trying to counter that version with maybe Ebeltal and one press attackers or stuff. Like try to punish uh, Mew uh, players. And I'll, like Raul said, it's super important. You can copy paste the list, but I think Mew is really hard to play correctly. So that also will be an important factor in the regional.
1: So heading into the regional, is this like, so Mew is clearly the BDIF. I think everyone has been saying forever, it's just, it is the best deck in this format. It is not impossible to counter necessarily, but uh, it sure seems like it's impossible to counter. Are we going to see something like uh, Seattle Regionals 2017? Where Drampa Garb had just come out and it was like 25 out of the top 32 decks. It won the regional. It was all over the place. It was just like absolutely dominant. Is Mew that level of dominant where you're expecting it to make up half of the top 32 or half of top eight again, if not more? Like where are we thinking that's that level of dominance is gonna come into play?
0: Uh I think like for sure when we get to like top eight. About half will probably be Mew. Uh, With top 32, I don't know if half will be Mew, just because when there's so many people playing a certain deck, it doesn't mean that the conversion rate is going to be great. Um, And I don't expect every top player to pick up Mew. I expect uh, even in those kinds of metagames, some players would pick up decks because they're stubborn, uh, and they'll pick something else up, and that might happen once again here. But if a majority of top players end up playing Mew, I think that'll skew the results in one way um, over the other.
1: I feel a little called out on the stubborn because I was just <laughs> on stream playing right before this.
0: I was playing various Moltres variants. In that 2017 format, I was the I was the Bees guy, so I also was stubborn, so I know. <laughs> I know exactly. How'd that go for you? I top 32 and then I didn't win games.
1: <laughs> Pedro, what about you? Do you think this is like that drampagarb level of pure dominance?
2: Um well I only played since 2016, I I mean played for like four years competitively and now waiting two years without competing well, just online random tournaments um, but that was actually surprising, you know how Dominance was that deck but for what I played so far in these years I didn't see yet a big difference between the best deck and the next deck so in my opinion it's even more Dominance, the powerful of Mew uh, with the other decks. Even decks that try to counter Mio and you play a deck just to win against Mio, you don't beat a good Mio player. That's how powerful Mio it is, right? Because it has healing, it has one-press attackers, multiple one-press attackers, it has uh, 20 protection for Ricorio, it has uh, um, you know, all the answers to even one-press attacker decks that want to counter Mio. So I guess the, the dominance is even uh, higher than Drampador in that uh, in that era because okay, it was a good deck, right? But the games were closed because N, Garbo Toxin. Now, if Mew wins the coin flip, the games are not even closed. Like, I'm considering uh, in Liverpool, if I face Mew and I lose the coin flip, if my opponent just Boston two, just try to win the other two games because there is no point to continue playing that game no matter the deck I play. Like, the Limitless guys and I, I Try, try hard testing all all the days, a lot of hours, and we cannot uh, counter Mew yet. We didn't find anything because it's literally impossible. So it's kind of frustrating, yeah.
1: That is the uh, most disappointing leak I've ever heard from a top-tier testing group of just like, we don't know what counters yeah. this deck. But it's definitely one of those things as I've been testing Arceus variants, because again stubborn, want to not play Mew, I've resorted to like, I have to play Raihan. So I don't scoop automatically when my Arceus that has the energy gets KO'd, which is a uh, doesn't even help. Like it helps technically, but it's one of those things that like scooping just might actually be the best play because you're like, well, this still feels really, really, really bad. Yeah. So to go off of Natalie's list, I think the biggest thing <laughs> that everyone that I've seen on Twitter who's trying it playing in Limitless Tournaments has done is add more stadiums. Are you are you rocking in more than two stadiums if you're running Mew? Do you like, do you recommend people play more or is this did the Australian group just figure it out? Is this the move?
0: I would never ever walk into a room with two stadiums. <laughs> uh, especially after you know it's out there. Um I think like one of the biggest ways that Mew will lose games against Arceus, especially going second, is if they just go path like attach pass and Like, that's probably, like, a 40% chance that they find a path. I think, I like, my group did the math. And, like, it's, like, a close to 40% chance that they find path turn one. Um, And if you don't have a stadium, like, on that turn one, you're actually going to get rocked. So, uh, like, for example, I played at my 1K this past weekend. And I tried a really weird, like, very anti-path build with four stadiums and a Peony. So, I don't know if that's a little bit overkill. But I had games where if I didn't have the path, like, the stadium in my opening hand, I would not have gotten to play the game as a Mew. So, uh, I've already seen value out of what I wanted to do. And I can see myself like I think no, no less than three stadiums. Like no less than three stadiums heading into Salt Lake. Um Yeah. Have you considered flipping heads on Cram Not really good at quad
1: <laughs> <cord> flips. <laughs> or or I'd probably put Catcher in my deck. Pedro, what do you think of the two stadiums?
2: Um Uh if I play Mew in a tournament I will play four stadiums, um, for sure. Um, well, in my opinion, of course, congrats to Natalie on all the group that makes a really good wrestling in Australia. Um, she's like good player, good deck. You know, it guarantees a really good placement, right? Not only the win, just the top four of Kaywen, um top eight and top 16 and top 32 of all the group, right? So, in my even with that deck winning, I don't like the deck list, but that's a personal preference. I don't like the deck list. I guess it was... Pretty good for that tournament because I guess the top 16 was full of two price attackers or three price attackers, right? It was Gengar, uh, mews and Arceus, right? Yep. Um, so that list of triple-double-turbo was pretty good for that. But in my opinion, I don't like the list because um, I guess you struggle a little more against one price attacker decks in general because it's not easier to do the Psychic Loop thing without basic Psychics. Um, yep. So... If I play, I, I, will, I won't play the list um, that Natalie and the group played because of that, because I guess the better player you are, you want to actually try to cover all the stuff that you can, right? So yeah. I guess with Psychic Energies, you cover better um, the One Press Attacker decks. You actually, it's almost auto-win if you play correctly with Psychic Energies. And you yes. also, with Forest Stadiums, cover better, the like Raul said, the path to the pick strategy. Because I guess the only loss is to me, because you never breaks, right? In like 20 games, you maybe break one, but in a best of three, it's really hard to break twice. So the only problem with the deck is 1% press attackers, that I like to fix that with basic energies, and the path to the peak, and you don't draw chromatic heads or stadium. So I prefer basic energies and 4 stadiums, but that's a personal preference. Of course, the, the power level of the deck is a little, is less power level, but with a skill, you can actually, you know, uh, try to, battle that little problem to try to at least have a better chance against one-press attack decks. But I guess even with that, I guess, no, I don't know if it was Natalie or Kaywin, even with that list beats the one-press attack deck anyway. So <laughs> the deck is just too strong no matter how you play. But yeah, I will play four stadiums and basic energies um if I will play Mio, yeah.
0: That makes me feel a little bit better about myself too because that's exactly where I've come to on my testing as well. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> that basic energies gives you way too much like flexibility and skill to play the matchup. And like Pedro yeah. said, like, I played against a one prize, uh, single dark like deck this past weekend. And I think at the 47 minute mark, I took my first prize. <laughs> Coincidentally, I took all six in the same turn or five in the same turn. How did you, oh, did you Oricorio that it, it, thing? It
2: was super good for that meta, right? When top 16 decks are all two or three yeah. prize attackers. Yeah. I agree. That was the perfect list for that, you know, but you never know what you face, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think people will be more prepared for the triple, double turbo mm-hmm. moving into this last next two weekends. So one more thing on Mew.
1: I'm kind of curious because I don't get to talk to two of the best players who have actually tested a significant amount of Mew very often. We always hear Mew is a high skill deck. And as someone who doesn't play it that often, I'm well aware of it because when I pick it up, it's like, oh yeah, you know, this was a misplay on turn three. I shouldn't have burned that power tablet or I should have to draw one more card, you know, stuff like this. But where does the skill with Mew really come into play? If someone's listening to this right now and they're like, I've been playing Mew and it feels fine, but you know, maybe they are someone who just dumps their hand all the time, or they're like, this deck isn't skillful, I just go boom every turn. Where do those extra little pieces of skill come into play, and what are some things that someone who is playing you should consider? You know, this is what I should be trying when I'm practicing. This is stuff I should be paying attention to to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. So what are some of those like highly skillful interactions that you can think of off the top of your head? That, I know that's a really tough, because it's technically it depends type of answer. But, uh, Pedro, do you have anything? Because I see Rohul has a thinking face on.
2: Um, yeah, <laughs> some, some tips um, Like I still don't feel Myself uh, good enough To play Mew correctly I play a lot, play test a lot of Mew And sometimes I win even doing misplays Because the deck is just too good and too powerful And it has No sense sometimes um, How you can pull up some attacks uh, With even boss, because it's like Genesis, It's like multiple shaming EX every single turn So it has literally no sense how, how that is even legal, right? So but when you face a good player, like when I test on the limit group and I play mio, um, sometimes I feel I'm making little misplays that cost me the game against really good players, right? Because the the games like this des- are decided by one turn that one of the both players with uh, one one car, right? So one of the things, for example, that a lot of people uh, do sometimes when I face them on online ladder because I played a lot of online ladder, um, for example, is like. A lot of people, when they see lessa, they try to lessa first and then Geneset draw, so you have less chance to draw, for example, the Fusion Energy instead of drawing one less card with Genesect, um, but save the less in hand, for example. Or sometimes people burn too much when you can just, all right, if you have everything that turn, you don't need to draw with Geneset because you can draw with Geneset. If you already have everything you need that turn, you can save that Ultra Ball, save that Chromatic, save that stuff to um, do that next turn. that You probably will need more cards. Another, also, another tip. That I made, that misplay a lot of times is I discard my my battle baby pass after turn two a lot, um, and then when I draw chromatic I cannot chromatic my Pokemon right. So it was like, oh, I was like I was laning to with ultra will probably discard some Pokemon that I won't use anymore like for Geneset or thermio, and tra- sometimes you want to save the battle baby pass for potential chromatic. So that's little stuff that could improve your gameplay.
0: Yeah. Or anything to add. Um, I think, yeah, Pedro, whatever thing Pedro said is, like, very, very good. Um, and just one other thing I would probably want to add to that is just prize mapping. Like, knowing past turn one um, exactly, like, where your win con is going to come from, like, will help you significantly more with how many cards and what you're burning. Um, Like, for example, there'll be situations where you want to establish another Mew or a Meloetta or something. But to, in doing so, you'd have to burn, like, two or three tablets. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, if I do this, is there even a win con left for me? Do I have to sit here with this one Mew VMAX and hope that it can ride me to the win? And sometimes you have to, like, you know, just take that avenue. Um, And, like, like when the Mew is flowing on all all cylinders, like, the deck plays itself. And that's, like, why it's so broken. But when it's not, that's really where the true test of a player comes in. Because you're having awkward discards. You're having awkward resource counting. And that's kind of where um, that last couple of, like, skill bits come into play. To go off the power tablet one, this
1: is one that I see a lot of Mew players. Suzanne, I'm the one not playing Mew because I'm stubborn, willing to waste my $400 plane ticket, uh, because get to hang out with the homies, right? But uh, you know, playing the Arceus decks. If I see a Mew player burn one tablet when they're not supposed to, I know that that's game over because they will never get through enough Arceus's to actually win the game. I'll be able to pull off chair and stuff, path stuff, and they just they can't KO every single thing they need, even with an echoing horn to win that game. So that prize mapping is absolutely huge, because if you know that you're going to have to get through, you know, you didn't KO an Arceus v you, you KO'd a Sobble, so you're going to have to get through at least yeah. one big charmed Arceus and have an Echoing Horn boss. You know, you have to have every single thing ready to go. And if you waste one of those resources, it's kind of just GG's at that point, because every one of your opponents is going to know exactly how to beat Mew. You better know how to beat mm-hmm. every one of your opponents. Um, there was Yeah, I agree. There was also a question from chat that I want to get to right now because it is Mew related. Captain Wonder asks, would you rather cut one Rotom phone or one Kram-o-matic? Or are those like I absolutely will... never play less than four of either of them.
2: I would play, if I would play Mew, um I'll play four Rotoms and four Kram-o-matic because both cards in my opinion they are too good to not play them. Even if I don't like coin flips, um Chromatic is too good, uh, Not the, even if you flip tails, it helps um, the strategy of the deck to draw more with Genesis and discard your battle VIP pass later um, So even if you don't flip heads, the card is too good, even not hitting the heads And if you hit heads, it's actually game changing Sometimes you just win for that heads or it gives you the turn one battle VIP pass to play the game uh, Rotom Fun is the best card you can actually play against Path to the Peak is one of the two loose conditions of me, Right, it's Path to the Peak uh, is one of the loose conditions we talked about before. And with Rotom Phone, you save that. So I guess of both are so important.
0: Uh, I also agree with you Like I don't know which one to cut. Um, I spent My group spent a good bit of time testing no cram and no phone just to see if it would work fine. And it does work fine. It's just the games feel a little bit grindier. It feels like you're working a little bit harder. And um, why work harder where you can just play better cards is kind of, I think, the logic there uh if anything it would probably be the cram like if you had to cut if i had to like gunpoint like i had to cut one it's probably the cram would go to three over the phones because i think phone is just um like Pedro said like you have two lose conditions and it negates one of them unless they're playing judge
1: yeah that's the other so we saw uh, henry brand and uh mitch from the sable eyes who got top eight with the arceus and teleon both rock and the judge in their list is that are Pathex going to start playing Judge to play around that Rotom phone? Is that an actual move? Or is that just a meme that seems cool in theory? I, I, don't, think.
2: Believe, I, I don't believe in the Judge, Path, and pray because I want to win on prizes. Um, that's why I'm trying to test. It's hard. I'm not getting yet um, the way to beat Mew with that strategy. But I'm not a player that wants to play a deck to counter meo by judge, uh, path and pray. I, I I always when I play Pokemon I always think my opponent will have everything every turn, because if you don't think that uh, you don't improve. So if you sure. if your gameplay against meo is like I'm gonna judge, path and pray, and if you win you feel good, I think that's a problem. So in my opinion you need to win by solid strategies and not pray the opponent draws or not draws. Because every time I play it's like I need to do my play considering that my opponent will do. Energy, boss, power tablet. Because if that doesn't happen, then I'm fine, right? So I don't like the strategy. Even if I even if I can see that if you play a path to the pick deck, of course you need to join Judge. <laughs> if you play that. Yeah.
1: So you're saying Judge isn't a meme if that's a strategy that you're going for?
2: Yeah, I would probably play a split of Marnis and Judge, because marnis better. But meme is really popular. So if I would play that decks of prey, if you want to pray with that strategy. Um, properly, you need to probably play a split of Marines and Judge.
1: Got it. I'll throw a Judge in my deck,
2: especially because Inteleon <laughs> uh, draws the Judge when you yeah. want it, of course.
0: Yeah. Do you agree or hold? Yeah, I think I think it's like like better said. It's like not a great strategy by any means, <laughs> but it is like your like Hail Mary, and it's not bad to have a Hail Mary at a minus one. It just is every time you see that in the early game, it's gonna suck um, in your hand. Compared, like one card makes a huge difference for RCS decks, especially ones that run Inteleon. Um, yeah, Yeah. so just I think it has more longevity in Intellion decks. And if you're not playing Intellion, like if you're playing like a quad Arceus deck or something, that's going to be weird. <laughs> I agree 100%
1: on the. Every time I play any of these decks, it's like. It feels so bad of like Arceus' win condition so often is Path against Mew. But also. It works sometimes, I guess. Yeah, it works sometimes. But, I mean, it it's works. it's like that old oh. Jolteon win condition why I never got into it of like, oh, yeah, you just play four path and four Marnie, and eventually it sticks, right? It's like, well, sure, I guess, technically. It's like, uber not.
0: scuffed Garb N.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Garb N that you can both play around and they have more cards, and yep. yeah, it's, there's just a lot wrong with it.
2: It's like, for example, the, the example of Arceus. I'm testing a lot of Arceus, especially in streaming these days, like three, four hours a day, and then out of a stream, another four, five, six hours. I'm just waking up, testing, uh, eating, sleeping, and testing again. And I'm trying a lot of Arceus because I like like Arceus as a card. It's Mm -hmm. pretty flexible. Um, And I I start with four Path to the Peaks, right, and Marnies. Right now, I'm sure I will play zero Path to the Peaks. And instead of that four cards, I will try to play cards that consistently give me the win, uh, going first at least against me, right? So I'm playing like four bosses, two Luminions, uh, four Ultra Balls, four Quick Balls. So if I go first and I get Addictus Energy, I know I win by triple a boss. And if I go second, I'm trying to make my deck at least 40-60 uh, and have a little chance, like triple a Big Charm and stuff like that, right? So I started with the path to the big plan. And when every time the player, the opponent just top deck everything, I was like, no, I'm going to just put four cards that uh, i want to win by prizes so i'm kind of close to the list that if i go first and i get arceus energy i win with triple boss um and if i go second well we, we're still trying to beat mew, Yeah,
1: i'm amazed at how often arceus and i guess we're going to start getting into the not mew decks now but i'm amazed how often arceus whiffs the turn one arceus energy despite yeah. having the four quick ball three or four ultra balls four arceuses and you know like 10 to 12 energies it's like how There's do I keep it?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's the worst. Had, right before this started, I had just whiffed with an Arceus deck, and I was just like, chat, why am I evolving my Pokemon? Why is this ever a thing I want to do? Like, because even Mew doesn't have to evolve. You got Meloetta. Like, you're you're fine. <laughs> so uh let's get into the not Mew stuff real quick in a little more detail. Sure. What are some of the decks? So let's say you're adamantly against Mew. It is against everything in your moral fiber, or just for whatever reason you don't want to play Mew. What are some of those other considerations that you think are real decks? What are we pairing with Arceus? Are we single-strike roaring to anything? or Are we rapid-strike tentacling? Like, What are some of those other decks? Uh, Rahul, do you want to start us off?
0: Sure. Um... I can give like an honest top five, I guess, for me. If uh like tomorrow like I had to lock in decks, I had like twelve hours. The final five decks I'd probably be testing are obviously Muse starts the list. It would be uh RCS Intellion, I think, would go into number two. I don't know how I'd like when I do the dark package, the water package, like what I want to do with that. I don't know just quite yet. Um And also like I like I like a two point five is like RCS Urshifu is a deck that I wanna try. It does not have a great Mew matchup, but it clobbers the hell out of other RCS decks. And if I can just say, hey, maybe I'm not going to hit enough Mew, and I can beat the counters to Mew. Like, you'll beat all the single prize decks, you'll beat all the Mew, like the Mew counters, and you'll ride your way to the top. Uh, you might have a great shot at winning the tournament, but if you hit the, you know, right counter matchups. It's like, it's like one of those big brain decks, it's just, you have the potential to just go 0-3 by hitting three Mews in a row. That's just unfortunate. Um, and then my, like, third is probably Gengar, Vmax. Uh, I think Gengar is surprisingly good, uh, if, if you can get to turn three. Uh, the problem is Gengar does not get to turn three very often. Um, but if you do, um, you're very strong. And with Path, you can just slam a Path, get, like it be Barrel up and running, and one hound doom, and you're pretty much good to play the game. And then I don't really actually have a five. I don't know why I said five. But four is probably Rapid Strike Intellion, which is a deck I want to try out. I think Rapid Strike Intalyon has a place because people are uh, bad with resources. Uh, RCS players can't one-shot the deck. And if you play like a deck like that that has heavy healing, low maintenance, and a lot of damage, it could be very, very strong. I think, in the right meta game.
1: That's definitely one that sounds strong in theory, and the keyword's theory. Rapid Strike Inteleon's always been a theory deck. But like, because Arceus, when you play the mirror match and you're able to Charons, you're like, oh, this deck is like really good and it's amazing and I love this, right? But uh, that deck is a little more consistent at getting that off than it feels like the not the Arceus Inteleon, the Rapid Strike Inteleon is for sure. So Pedro, what are some of the ones that you're thinking about?
2: Um I'm definitely harding Arceus. I will probably play Arceus on uh Liverpool because um well when we talk later about we will talk later about why play Mew and why not play Mew, I will answer why. I probably want to play Mew even if I bought my Mews, um I would probably want to play them. Um so I'm tryharding Arceus to try to have at least um a chance against Mew. Um so yeah I agree kinda agree with Raul almost in the almost all the top five. I guess Arceus is number two Arceus variants like Melony or Just Dark, or uh, you can run it with Inteleon, Vivarel or Chinchino. We're still not sure what is the best engine, we try harding a lot of Inteleon, Chinchino and Vivarel. We still don't know what is the best, um, but I guess we'll figure out soon. Um, agree that Gengar, when Gengar setups beats Arceus and beats Mew, if you set up properly. Uh, so Gengar is definitely top 3. Um, I already tried Gengar with like 4 money, for Reset, for, for Quick Ball, 4 Trouble, for Battle BP Pass. But sometimes Gengar is uh, clanky, right? That's the, Arcus and Mew are more consistent. Um, so that's because of top three. And yeah, top five will probably be... Um, yeah, I agree Rapid Strike intellion has uh, some potential. I guess we still didn't try enough. But yeah, Mew sometimes could struggle because people like Raul said through some resources and if you can spam Cherry with some Chinchinos or in, or like, you can put like Chinchino or intellion in giant and then healing and then... Snipe is pretty good. And I guess Jolton is uh, super good right now because Urshifu disappeared. Uh, Urshifu actually won the last uh, online regional, um, the Sakari, the Sakkari, not exactly, sorry, Metafire regionals. Um, uh, Jolten won uh, because Urshifu disappeared and Jolten is actually pretty good because he has the path to the pick strategy that could work, um, he attacks for one energy, uh, fighting disappear completely and um, no one plays Manafi. So Jolten for sure will join in the top five, in my opinion, because it has a complicated matchup against Mew, but we saw in the tournament how, you know, path to the peak, um and 300 HP two, twice uh, could be annoying for me, right? So, um, yeah, I will, jo- I will put Jolteon in that list.
1: So I want to go off Jolteon real quick, because I put out a YouTube video saying what I thought were some of the like, top five decks for, uh, what's it called? Salt Lake City? And I put Jolteon at number four, and this was pre the MetaFi tournament because it felt like it was in a very good place. And then Sunday I was testing a bit, and right before leaving, my friend, shout out Captain Wonder, one of my Twitch mods, was like, "Here, take the Jolteons just in case you change your mind." So, unsell me on Jolteon, please. Can either of you tell me why is Jolteon not the move for Salt Lake City, Pedro? You- uh, or, or- Hinger, anyone, yeah. No,
2: Pedro
0: person.
2: Um, well, I'm. Yes, it because I really like Arceus, so I, of course, will tell you that Arceus is the play. Um, why Jolteon is not the play? I mean, Jolteon is really fun um, to play. Uh, you cannot play opponents, right, with the healing, no healing, boss targets, sniping. It's actually a really funny deck, and it's super strong right now because Manafee is not popular. But if you want a reason to not play Jolteon, is that if you play Jolteon, you, face, you will face every round someone with Manafee every single round, right? And you don't want that. So, if Jolten didn't want the regional, well, the regional, the online regional, um, then if he's out of the radar, he's a pretty good player, right? No one expected, no one touched against Jolten, but now, uh, with some days ago, uh, a lot of people will put that mana fee just in case, right? And that's, you can beat mana fee, but it's going to be a hard time.
1: Do we just assume that RK9 is going to automatically pair you with everyone who has a Manaphy in your deck?
2: <laughs> yeah. When I play one tech, it's like, what? Well, if I join this tech, I will face that. But if I don't play that tech, I will face all the decks. So that's always happening.
0: <laughs> Rahul, unsell me on Jolteon, please. Um, I think the way I look at uh, the game right now is tempo. Uh, and when you look at how like, the tempo works is how many attacks you need to win a game. Um, how many prizes can you take with a certain attack? And Jolteon always feels like it's like a negative one or negative two turn tempo compared to every other deck, regardless of like how good the deck is. So a lot of Joltian strategy is going to revolve around path money, having to stick for a turn, then go into a boss while the path is still up uh, and need that boss to maybe last more than a turn um, or boss a separate target and get that off. So it's a lot of hoping. And when the word hope comes into the equation, I yep. immediately don't like that. Um and it is it is a it is something i did bring up in my in my testing group as well uh after i saw that it won the online regionals i was like hey maybe this is like a consideration maybe we bring this back onto the table because last format i was um on the jolteon train because i did not have new cards um and i just feel like the tempo of every other deck has gotten significantly better um arceus is just kind of a really big pain in your side uh because you don't really have great boss targets anymore for any deck if you play against arceus and uh Mew is just faster it's just faster than it was before and while they can't do 300 twice um they can very reasonably okay like if you just have oricorio and you go fusion oricorio you just cannot lose the game
1: yeah that like, is it actually... should be
0: near impossible to lose the game
1: see and that's a that that's a fair too okay i'll give you that one <laughs> Mew is a 300 is not a very hard number for them to hit with choice belt uh, One more deck I wanted to mention, because, and if you've seen me, you know that the, I'm really into this one. Why should I not play Hoopa Moltres for Salt Lake City Regionals? Why? This is a BDIF, right? See, Pedro's shaking his head yes. Pedro's into the Hoopa Moltres.
2: Like, you want an answer of why you do not play, right? Yeah, what if I've
1: currently got it sleeved up, like literally got it sleeved up. Why should I unsleeve it?
2: What do you want? Do you want to win the tournament or do you want to get points? You know? Let's say I want to win. <laughs> then don't play the deck. <laughs> because um why the deck has results. I, I saw a tweet, um I don't I mean more time I get old, more less I use Twitter and uh, social media in general because I don't know, I'm getting old and I start to not like that every three days there is some drama and people yeah. wanted some attention on social media to feel better or whatever. So I'm not using a lot of Twitter, but the other day I saw a tweet uh, of a guy, I don't remember the name, sorry. Um, a, that posted like, I won with the Moltres uh, packet like the, the one press attacker deck, right? Um... And he said the deck is trash, but people don't know how to play against it, so I won the tournament, right? So um, there are a lot of good players playing real life, but the percentage of the top players is really low. So normally you don't gonna face, uh, you won't gonna face in a tournament uh, every single round, one round ready, one Pedro Torres, one top player every single round. No, there will be more base players or more players that play for fun or they are not that good yet um, because they don't have a skill enough or whatever So then you can out- play with that deck pretty much a lot of opponents because you only give one price People mess it up a lot against Wisin, people mess it up a lot against Moltres, people mess it up a lot to a lot of cards that you play in that deck So I guess that deck is pretty good to win a lot of rounds But when you face a already Operatorious player Uh, You probably will have a hard time to beat them, of course you can beat us, but if we know how to play around that deck, um, I guess it's impossible to lose for us. But yeah, in a tournament you probably won't face a lot of top players, so that's why the deck is good to get points. But at some point that you face a a really really top player, then I think we kinda know how to play around the deck. if we prepare against the deck, like with one healing card or one heal, or, or if you play Mew, you, you can just have a loop or stuff like that. So if you want to win the tournament, um, don't play the deck. If you want to get points, the deck is pretty good because you cannot play a lot of opponents, in my opinion.
0: You agree or Well, I think I think Pedro had all the major key points there. Uh, one thing to add to is like Pedro said, um, if your greatest matchup with a deck like this is meant to be Mew. And you're, like, on paper, it's, like, supposed to be, like, a 70-30 in favor of Single Prize Dark. But if you're playing against myself or Pedro or another top player like that, all of a sudden we make it a 60-40 in our favor. It does not bode well for a deck like that. Like, if that's what we can do against you, and then the other matchups are, like, I don't know, a little bit sketchy across the board. Uh, it's it's not a great deck to win the tournament ever. And I also think there's a lot of tie potential for that deck. Um, and I never like decks that tie. Mm-hmm. Um. So with those two factors combined, it's never like I think a tournament-winning deck. But if you're looking to go five-two-two, two, maybe five-three-one, get some points, get out of there, uh, seal up those last fifty points for your invite. Uh, it's a fine deck, I think, across the board.
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good point. The, the timer um, with one-press attacker deck could be annoying um, sometimes. Um, yeah. That's why me and Arceus, they're kind of good because you win in three-four turns, yeah. and you win or lose. And I guess yeah. I agree with Raul that you want to win or lose all the rounds. And if you if you win six, you can ID the last one. But if you are uh, if you tie before the last two rounds, then it's annoying, right? Because another tie is like a loss. So you and want to in win. Bracket. Yeah. you want to win or lose the first uh six, seven rounds. Um yeah. and yeah, the timer could be a problem. But if you play the, the deck faster, uh, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine.
0: Yeah. And like to put it in perspective, like I played against I think a pretty decent player playing um the single prize dark deck like I locals, like I mentioned earlier, and at the 1k and uh, like game one took 47 minutes and we talked after and he asked me a bunch of questions like what if i did this play what if i did this play had i gotten aggressive what would have happened i was like i would have just done x y and z and i mean when you have a matchup down to a formula it's not great for that matchup
1: that makes sense a deck like me that has so many options suddenly becomes like i can just answer anything that you need
0: yeah you just take like a like a spreadsheet basically like if x happens do this if y happens do this and like it's very simple because a single prize dark, even though it seems complicated, it's very linear in like actual gameplay. We'll also very quickly talk about the timer, not necessarily metagame, but you all have
1: been playing for a while. And it's something I've always prided myself in, even though I've only been to like seven or eight regionals or something. I guess that's enough now to say I've been to enough. Uh, the timer is like really important. How do you know <laughs> when to scoop a game to go to the next one? Because it's something... After watching some people stream the MetaFi 2k tournament, it seems like people aren't aware that you can concede a game early to maybe finish in 50 minutes. So how do you know when to concede a game in a best of three? Like, is it just amount of reps? Do you have, you figured out the win condition becomes non-existent? Like, do I just keep playing it out until it's literally non-existent to win, no matter how slim the hope is? Like, where are we actually deciding I need to scoop it up and go to the next game now? Uh,
0: um rahul starts off I, i'll start with this one just because i think i'm a little bit more nuts than pedro i think he's more rational in terms of when to scoop um for me it i don't like i don't like tying uh like unless it's like probably an auto loss matchup in which case then i could try to take it to a tie try to steal a game go one one maybe but if it's any other matchup i'd like to rather win or lose because that bracket of ties is nothing it's not fun it's not a fun bracket to be in uh for like nine rounds of a day potentially um so there's been times where i will literally scoop where the first ultra ball was played, or the moment I draw my card for turn on my first turn, I'm like, I don't like this hand. Let's go to game three. Um because sometimes you just know on tempo. Sometimes you know the moment, like the moment it is like your opponent makes the play, they go up on tempo, you go, okay, I have a hope. It's a very slim hope. Let's see what my top deck is. This is not going to help me. Let's go next. Like it's very simple like that. Or a certain play will happen and you're like, I'm pretty locked out of this game. I need like seven things to go my way. And if you're like, I don't think that's gonna happen, I have a better shot at winning game three by going first um you scoop it to go off that tie bracket thing just in case anyone's not aware uh
1: tying the first round means everyone tied the first round that you're going to be playing against most likely there's a chance you play someone else and i've done that once i don't know if either of you have been in that situation before but it is actually as miserable as people say it is i got lucky (laughs) to 2-0 my next two opponents to go up to the 2-0-1 bracket which was like fine at that point because this is where you reach the people who have to think about every move for a little longer than I think you have to, and it suddenly becomes like, oh, I'm probably going to go 009 if stuff doesn't happen. So the tie bracket is a real thing. Pedro, when do you know how? How do you know when to scoop?
2: Um, it's actually hard. Like Raúl said, sometimes, um, sometimes you feel it, right? Like I guess I got this. Um, I more or less know to, when to scoop and where to not scoop. Because of the experience. I guess the experience playing in real-life tournaments for a lot of years, like Raul and I, it gives you a lot of... Um, a really good mind to know when is the perfect time to scoop to play two more games or not, right? It depends on a lot of factors, it depends on your experience, because when I started playing, I tied a lot, because I was a new player, I didn't play really fast, I played kinda slow, and sometimes I could win a lot of games, but I tied because of my own fault for not playing faster. So more experience you get, less you tie. So I want to tell to all the people that is new playing or just one two years playing that don't worry that you will get that point if you continue try harding, uh, testing. You will at, at some point you will play faster and faster and faster, and that won't be a problem. Um, sometimes when I face a player, as Raul said, depends on the matchup. If the matchup is super bad, um, and you, for example, win one game, and the second game you are getting completely destroyed, just continue the game because you want a tie instead of a, a lose. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to scoop to win game three, but if the matchup is really bad, you're probably going to lose, right? So um, that's why the opponent needs to probably scoop. If they if they have a really good matchup and they break turn one, the opponent should scoop to try to beat me two turns so, or uh, two games. So it actually depends a lot on the matchup or the matchup is. It actually depends a lot of if you're facing a really known player or you know he's a really good player, top player, or... Um, you maybe face a new player. Because if you say, for example, I face Raul, that is a pretty top player, and I'm losing, and I know he's not going to mess it up, I'm probably going to scoop if I think I can win the matchup to try to win the other two games faster. But if, for example, I face a new player that maybe in two turns I see he misplayed two or three times, and I think I have a little win condition, I continue playing for that. So it's a lot of factors, I guess, to consider for when to scoop or not. But... Sometimes I mess it up. Sometimes I think, all right, I should scoop, and sometimes I regret to not scoop. It's kind of complicated, but uh, with experience, you actually know better when to do it, I guess.
1: Do either of you wear a watch?
0: I don't, but I should. Uh, I just kind of have, like, a... I don't know, you have, like, this internal timer when you've been playing as long as the two of us have. Um, And, like, judging by just, like, looking around the room, you can kind of get a good read for, like how quickly table judges are walking, actually, is like a very good indicator of like how close to time we are. If table judges are hawking games more closely, that means we're getting real close. Like, we're within probably five minutes. Um, uh, and you can I'm hear... Really,
2: sorry. You can go. I'm mm-hmm. really superstitious. Um, I never bring a clock. Uh, I should, like Raul said, because if you want to compete at the top high level, you should actually bring a clock, and you should actually bring a little notepad to note your prices. And you need to actually train at home To check your six prices quickly and note them, Um, because sometimes you decide a play uh, depending on the prices. If you have like four ultra ball prices and you need an ultra ball to continue the game, maybe you do a risky play, but you know you will take at least one ultra ball. So it's really important to know the price because when I play online tournaments, I change my game plan depending on all right what I have price, and then okay if I have these three outs price, I'm gonna take a price now. If not. I guess I don't need to take a prize yet and I can set up my board better, stuff like that. So, the only tournament I bring a clock, it was the only tournament I did in top 32 that season, that, that regionally, all the season. So I'm really superstitious and then I didn't bring a clock anymore, but that's just because I have a problem, you know. But, uh, yeah, you should, in a top level, you should bring a clock and remember your prices or note your prices and practice at home. Because, of course, the first search in real life for people that don't play normally uh, judges and players allow you to take a little more time on turn one to check your prices, only that turn uh, so more so faster you train at home to check your prices uh, you will have more time to play the game and you won't get any warning for taking five minutes to check your prices, right? So, um, yeah that's my opinion that you should actually bring a clock and <laughs> remember or not your prices you actually should and i'm training that i'm training the prices stuff especially
0: that's also been something i've been working on over the pandemic because i've never been like a, a good with prices person um surprisingly enough from playing bees all those years you think i'd be good at it but uh it's like you develop a habit but you sometimes don't get everything which i need to be better at as well because there's been plays where i make that i'm like i, sh- I should have known this was priced like i 100 percent should have known this was priced
1: that's definitely one of those super feels bad we were like I mean, one of those best tips for anyone who's like, oh, you always check your specific techs uh, for a matchup. That's like one of the most obvious ones back when Welder decks were a thing. You're like, how many Welders do I have? You know, Arceus decks, you're probably going to count how many V-Stars you have. You know, these types of like things. But then there's other cards where it's like, oh, I'm going to need a quick ball for another Arceus. But it turns out I prized one of them. Like stuff like that is the heart of like, I should have known that. <laughs> like that's like a really important part to my win condition that I'm completely missing here. and that's something. That now that you mentioned that i should probably be uh practicing irl again because i'm I, i'm in ptcgo mode i played in too many of these stupid yeah. tournaments where it's like oh price checking
0: takes 35 seconds let me tell you playing in that 1k this past weekend in round one i was really out of it i was like <laughs> man this is this is taking a lot more out of me than i thought and it's been like two years right like i mean i think i played something back in like may or august or whatever but besides that like I don't know, like with a deck like Mew, where you have to count literally every single card. It's like, oh my god, this is taking so much energy. So it was a, a kind of a cruel wake-up call. <laughs> no, see, that's where it's easy. You just play all four ofs, right? So yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta <laughs> yeah. buy bling
2: for the deck. That way, it's easier to find them. <laughs> yeah, um, and actually, because I was like in Raul mode and melo mode, like no in real life tournaments for a long time. The other day, I tested with uh, my neighbor with a friend. And I saw the cards, you the cards are too big, right? Was, <laughs> because all the, all the time without watching real cards, I was like, "Yo, know, these, these cards are too big, right? Because in, in, the, in the computer, you see the cards like super small. Um, I was considering, all right, if I play Arceus, I want to play one Galarian Meowth. Uh, if I play Vivalent Engine, um, not to, I mean, it's really cool to draw more cards, but Galarian Meowth, you can check your deck like, every turn. So you go, all right, if you forgot the price, you can Galarian <laughs> Meowth. All right. Oh, okay. They have price, right? Every turn. So, I was more happy, instead of to thin the deck and draw more with you, I was more happy to play that card to, to check my prices in case I forgot, right? <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead
1: and jump into the most important part of the discussion, because your boy still has not figured out anything about what he's playing. Do you play Mew or do you not play Mew? So I want you both, kind of succinctly, so kind of a you know, sh- short answer, why should you play Mew VMAX for the upcoming tournament? Rahul, I want you to start us off on this one. Why should you play Mew VMAX? Um,
0: if you are one of the best players in the room and you feel incredibly comfortable in your skill level, you should uh, play a deck that has the best matchups against the field. And if you know how to play against every matchup, that should be your go-to. And if you're a newer player who doesn't feel as comfortable in your own deck choice, and maybe Mew is something you've been piloting for a little bit or something you've been enjoying, it has a very high floor, is how I'll put it. Like when, when everything is firing on all cylinders, like I mentioned, it becomes an autopilot deck. Yes, winning those games where you normally wouldn't maybe otherwise um can be a little bit tricky potentially, but uh there is like a chance for the deck to just like pop off and you don't have to think about it. But if you're if you're one of the best players in the room, and you don't have a concrete answer going into Mew. Um there's no reason not to play Mew if you think you are the best player and if you're going in to win that regionals. Pedro, what do you say? Why should you play Mew Vmax? Um
2: you practice enough. Um, if you're a good player, like Rob said, the deck is the best deck in the format. Um, I don't think Mew lose to anything. Just lost to your own misplaced Bricks that maybe they won't happen if you play a consistent and a really good list. So um, if, I guess you should play Mew, guys, because it's yeah, yeah. It's the best deck in the format. Mm, there is no deck that beats Mew. Um so, if you get enough enough practice, you literally beat everything there is uh, at least I don't know any deck that beats me uh, that beats mew yet consistently a base of three um much if Mew plays correctly, like I'm testing for example with Nico with Fabian when Nico or Fabian plays Mew, um they never lose a base of three if they don't misplay right um for putting two examples um so yeah, um, the deck is. Kind of fun, I guess. You flip some coins with Chromatic, giving emotion. So yeah, you should you should play Mew Chat.
1: All right, let's go the opposite direction with this one. And why should you not play Mew VMAX for the upcoming tournament? Pedro, I want you to start us off with this one, because you seemed a little more interested in that being an actual concept that people can do. So why should you not play Mew VMAX for Salt Lake City or potentially Liverpool? Which is... Close enough away that I'm pretty sure people are super prepared.
2: All right, I have so many reasons to not play Mio, so you shouldn't play Mio chat, right? Mio um, <laughs> um, is a really hard deck to play well. You need to be a really good player to play the deck correctly. That's an example is when I test with Nico, for example, Fabian, Robin, whatever, against Mew, Um A... Well, I, I forgot what I wanted to say, but yeah, don't play Mio because, um, oh yeah, I, what I wanted to say. The deck is really uh, hard to play perfectly, right? Um, and I wanted to say, like, the deck, uh, you need to be a really good player for that, really good top player to not misplay. Also, the deck, I feel, is a clone fiesta that you cannot control in a mirror match. Uh, of course, there is outplay, that you can outplay people, of course, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But when the opponent just face you, turn 1 kill, turn 2 kill, turn 3 kill, uh, show me the, the outplay you can do when they just throw everything. And, I guess, Mew, mirrors, you cannot, it's a clone fiesta in my opinion, it's a clone fiesta. It's like, no potential outplay, of course, you can have some tricks, but if the opponent draw well, there is no trick, the opponent just takes a price every single turn and if the opponent knows what to do um, Also Mew it will be probably super popular or super tried to be countered And I don't want to play Mew if I will face five mirrors and four dark decks Because I don't have enough experience with the deck if I will if I would have enough experience probably I will just still take the risk um, and I think other decks has more outplay potential in Mirrors than Mew Mirror. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But that's what I feel when I face, when I play Mew Mirrors.
1: That's how I felt too. I'm not the most experienced Mew player, but it feels like if both players know what to do, you just kind of pray that it works. But Rahul, why should we not play Mew VMAX?
0: for Salt Lake City. I think there's a lot, like Peter said, a lot of sequencing and a lot of uh, small things that you need to do correctly over the course of a game that you can make a lot of mistakes. Um, uh, And I've watched a lot of players play Mew. I've been, I don't know, grinding a ton of Mew. I've probably logged close to like 300 games of Mew in this format. And I feel like I find myself still making mistakes here and there, or like a decision that I question um, whether or not it was correct. Um, And so it is a very... Tough deck, I think, to do correctly. Like I've said a couple times so far that when it's not just going off, um, it's it's a tough deck to pilot correctly. And sometimes there's games that feel really bad even if you win. And so you start doubting the deck or whatever in general. Um I, that's why I took it to my 1k personally, and I mean it solidified that I wanted to play it, but like two or three rounds in, I was like, I'm not feeling good about this, like my hands have been weird, uh variants, blah blah blah. Uh and then the biggest thing I can also say is the mirror, like you guys have talked about already is not the most incredibly skill-reliant. It's very formulaic. If both players play X, Y, and Z correctly, it's going to come down to um, a couple of tech cards and how the matchup goes. I think there is a very exploitable way to beat the Natalie Australia list in the mirror. Um, So if players copy-paste that and you stick with the basic energy build, you have a better chance at winning mirror, in my opinion. Like, it's like a 5% chance probably better um, to win mirror. But I don't know if players will, like, wise up and um play that way correctly um but the mirror as a whole feels like someone's got to make a mistake somewhere um like i played two mirror matches at my 1k and both times i whiffed uh which feels terrible as Mew. um and so when i whiffed the only reason i won them is because i i gave my opponents a chance to make a mistake and they did they did make a mistake to give me that tempo back and. Sometimes that's what you have to hope for, and that felt absolutely terrible. Um, (laughs) Because uh, on paper, if I was against someone like Pedro, I would get waxed. Like, it is over. There is no chance that Pedro ever makes that kind of mistake that those players made. Um, Maybe 75% of players would make that mistake, but if I'm trying to win the event, I can't rely on mistakes. Um, So that's, like, my biggest, like, I don't want to play me reason. I have four days to convince, convince myself that there's a better deck than me right now. And that's pretty much what all my testing has been going towards. My group's entire testing has just been pouring all our time into Arceus. Um, because Arceus is a very cool card, very flexible. And just seeing if we can find that uh, sweet spot.
2: Now because of that uh, role set, I remember what I wanted to say. One second. Um, when I play against me on ladder, for example... Um, Maybe one day, or I'm zero against Mew, They're playing like whatever, like Arcus or whatever, like... And then when I face Nico, Fabian, Robin, they smash me. But it's like, alright, but at least I beat 10 players online. Um, I lost to Fabian, okay, I lost to Nico, it's fine. But I will beat the other 8 players that are not top level. So, um, yeah, uh, sometimes I'm feeling happy when I beat all the Mew players online because, as Raul said, uh, they misplay one exactly turn and then you win. But when Robin, Nico, Fabian, they never misplay and they play correctly, they show me, all right, I cannot beat you, but there is only one Robin in the tournament. There is only one Fabian. The other nine, I have a chance. Yeah, right? So sometimes it's like maybe I should play a deck that I beat all the non top players. And win it. if I face a top player, well, I can try to win the coin flip and then I win too, right? <laughs>
1: Are you currently calling out that either Nico or Fabian's going to win Liverpool with Mew VMAX?
2: Uh, well, we're trying. We're trying <laughs> our best. All right, here's in- Maybe.
1: Are you ready to get in some questions from Twitch chat? Yep. Sweet. So, first one. What is the most you've spent on a single plush or non-card item at a Pokemon regional?
0: A regional.
1: Yeah, so, have you purchased anything from vendors that isn't a card. A
0: card. Um. I remember in Toronto. uh, One of the regions. I think it was like Toronto 2017 maybe. Uh, whichever one was Buzzrock meta. Buzzrock. Uh, whichever one Tord came to. Maybe 2018. Um, I like did really bad. No I lost my win in it. I don't know. And I like somehow got coerced into buying this gigantic Meowth. That I don't even know where it is anymore. And it was like 80 bucks. Which isn't like really expensive. But like. That's a lot for, you know, just one plushie. It was like, it was like three, it was like this big. I just, I legitimately just like, do not remember why I bought it. It was just really funny. And I was like, I want this.
1: Pedro, what about you? You purchase anything from the vendors that isn't a card?
2: During one local tournament, a friend and I, we said, there was a Bulbasaur, like, gigantic Bulbasaur (laughs) plush. Yo, if one of both wins the tournament, we buy the Bulbasaur, right? And... He won and he bought the Bulbasaur, right? So, stuff like that. It could be me, but uh, he won. It was funny, right? Because, like, he was happy to win the League Cup or the League Channel, or I guess it was a League Cup. But then he was sad because he needed to spend like 45 or 50 euros in in the Bulbasaur. Yeah, it was funny.
1: See, this is one where because I fly to every regional, because Seattle doesn't have much drivable, technically, I guess Vancouver, I've never purchased anything. Because got to fit in my carry-on because I do not check a bag. So that, that ain't happening.
2: I, I bought my own deck in one vendor one time. I thought, <laughs> oh, it's Pedro Gino Torres deck. I will buy how much? Uh, for this, uh...
1: <laughs> the world's deck, the Rayquaza? Yeah. Oh, that's the cool. dream right vendor.
2: there. Watching your name in the vendors. That was pretty cool. <laughs> now it's like out of stock everywhere you know people a lot of friends won the deck and i cannot find it anywhere the the rayquaza deck it was like looks like it was more sold than the robin champion deck. looks like in a lot of shops it was like all right all the decks but the rayquaza is sold out because rayquaza is cool i guess right
1: if i bring you a copy to worlds will you sign it for me
2: yeah for sure cool i already did a lot of times so a lot of friends so for sure no problem
1: top gear asks are we expecting pokemon to reduce the requirements for worlds or are those close to an invite going to have to go to regionals so whether you put any thought into the well we still have an extra day that they haven't even announced to be fair (laughs) but
0: what do we think is going to happen with worlds um so i've gotten this question a ton when i streamed or just like in general because obviously everyone's very concerned um because we're i don't know five months out from worlds and we don't know what it's gonna be um The extra day, uh, big question mark. Can't give you anything on that. I don't know what's going to happen. We might just all just show up and, like, fight to the death and, like, six of us move on. Um, But I think what's going to end up happening is, as opposed to uh, the invite being lowered, I think the points are going to be inflated. Because back in 2017, I think heading into the end of the third IC, we had, like, maybe, like, 15 people qualified uh, in, like, each region, basically. So we were going to have, like, a 60-person Worlds, which would have been, like, one of the tiniest in history. But they inflated all the points. Like they made regionals finish like plus 20 and like IC finishes like plus 50. Um, so that might happen once again.
1: Any thoughts, Pedro? Or are you just like, I got my invite, I don't care anymore?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I'm actually curious, like Raul said, what's going to happen with wars, right? Because they should give information at least something more on what's going to happen that extra day. What, uh, yeah, the, the requirement, maybe. It's going to be, like, uh, not uh, too much uh, people because of the restrictions. Even if I think, I guess, the restrictions will be less, more time it passes, I guess, because I guess now they need to put, like, high restrictions because it's the first event and they want that everything goes correctly. But I guess it's just something just um, occasional for the first event. So probably worse will be less restrictions, I wish. Um but yeah, I actually don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully good news. Uh, but yeah, like Raul said, we should have more info soon because we're in March already, right? Uh, almost April after these two tournaments. And no date. Uh, no. Maybe they actually rethinking twice the extra day because it's another day that you have more people and you don't want uh, to play too many days, right? So yeah, no, no idea. But hopefully we have some news soon, yeah.
1: The extra day is the one, just as a real quick, that I'm like, oh, I really wish they would have announced it beforehand because I'm sitting with my 580 points, right? So within a realistic shot of whatever that day two is for NA, but also I would have to try for it. And it's like, well, do I want to go safe at SLC? I have nothing to gain currently, technically. And so it's like, well, I can just kind of go with the slightly high rolly play and see what happens versus I'd really like to just get out of day one and go to day two of the the four day worlds, so that's super unfortunate they haven't Blaine asked this is for you, Pedro. When will you accept the supremacy of bird box
2: um, well, bird box, I think it's a really good deck. I'm actually was um testing the Blaine deck that is is mainly arceus with um a counter all the meta right like you play sabdos for fighting weakness, you play Moltres for Mio. Um, But the main problem, yeah, it's like, as a player, I, I always want to cover all the matchups, right? And that decks you shouldn't beat one press attacker decks. Even if they are not really popular, Um, I don't want to just have an auto-loss against one press attacker deck because you only run attackers that want to kill two and three press attackers, but then you face like a mad Party, Malamar, um, stuff like if one only one price or the Dark Inteleon deck, and then you have a hard time, right? So if one price attacker disappears completely the format, then the deck is pretty good. It's one of my favorite Arceus variants because it's just the what, we, what, what, I, what I'm trying to figure out. It's just a smash, 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 smash KO, 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 and wins, right? So, But yeah, I just want to cover everything, and it's really hard with a deck that only plays two price attacker. Yeah.
1: So both Gamer and some Maddie Sims asked about the same question. And it's just, what do you two think about the current format? Enjoyable, not
0: enjoyable, acceptable, bad. Where are we at? Fine. I think in the last two years, this is probably one of the best better formats we've had. Um, yeah, I know during the online era, it was hard to gauge how quickly metas would change. But I think, like, starting at OCIC, the format got very linear in a weird way that I didn't really like. Um, I guess maybe since 2019 worlds, like the format has been incredibly linear um all the way till now. And this is probably the most like variance in terms of what's going on with the format. I mean, yes, everyone's complaining about Mew, but like it, it is what it is. Um people just didn't have Twitter during the Zorark era, apparently. <laughs> um so yeah. it's uh it's not that crazy bad. And I think with especially like this, we'll see. I think a healthy evolution of the metagame. Yes, Mew will still be the king, yes, Arceus will be like the runner up and they will probably be battling for the top spot, but we'll see a healthy um, evolution of the metagame. And then given whatever cards we're getting with Astral, it's like getting like 10 V-Stars or something in the next set, which should, in theory, shake up the game as well. Um, A lot of really cool support cards that'll probably last for a while. So I think it's fine. It's it's acceptable. I have skill
1: expression. Mm -hmm. Pedro, agree? Um,
2: Yeah, as a top player, after playing Sorak, I'm feeling sad now because <laughs> the old play room you have now is uh, really, really little. Because we don't have even a stamp now. It was at least something, right? That's why on, all the online tournaments I played, almost in every tournament I played, two stamps and 58 more cards. Because it's like, all right, if I start bad, at least I can try to win the game. Right now, yeah, it's a little better, like Rose said, than previous formats uh, in the pandemic. But there is still a little room to outplay, as I said. If you, I am going to Liverpool, for example. I'm playing Arcus. Um, if I have a bad day with my coin flips, just to to know who starts, and I go second three rounds in a row against Miu, I probably will go all three without any chance to try to beat that players, no matter if they are new or not. So that didn't happen before, right? If you play previous format with combat cards like Stamp or N, for example, uh, that we'll have Rosan in next set, may hopefully fix something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, eh, then you have a chance, right? You play like Solar Mirror against... Uh, if you are a better player, you probably win 9 out of 10 games. Um, but now, if you play a matchup against Mew, going second, no matter the day you play, no matter the opponent is his first day playing Pokemon, he probably will beat you 2-1 not even hard if they just boss your attacker turn two. So that feels kinda sad. Traveling, that spending out of money and coin flip uh mattering too much in my opinion against Mew. So I'm kinda sad about that. Because I'm considering myself a really good player. Um and maybe I go 0-3 or O four uh drop if I lose the coin flip and I face Mew two three rounds. And that feels sad. I guess the format is more sad the better you are as a player, because if you are a better player, you want to play your opponent, but if you have no cards to play your opponent, my mom that doesn't know how to play Pokemon, she can beat me. Play If I uh, teach uh, her how to play Mew in the morning, she will probably beat me. Um, a lot of games going first, um, but that didn't happen before with Zorark for putting one example. Mm. It's acceptable, um, but yeah, I'm losing a lot of more games than previous format. Like, a lot of more games I'm losing yeah. because I cannot play. Because the format is too fast. Um, the A lot of games are decided in two or three turns. Um, that's better for new players. That's better for non-top players. But I guess, at least for me, I feel it's going to be harder to top cut in these uh, future regionals and internationals than before. Um, because games are too short. And really depending on coin flip, uh, especially against Mew.
1: That's actually really good to hear. For me as someone who's like an above average, but not great player, because I just had a very bad testing day with what was my current pick. And then it just was like, oh my goodness, like why am I missing my Arceus energy every single game? You know, it's like statistically this shouldn't be happening, right? And it's like, it's good to hear that you two are having that same experience of like, this
0: just isn't, what it yeah. was right yeah like to put it in perspective i think like both pedro and i like reached our proverbial peaks between 2016 and 18 like we both had our best seasons and i think that was probably the last 10 years where we have had like the most outplay potential in any format with garbador and cards like those that just made so much skill expression and uh since then i have lost a lot of confidence in myself in the top 8 <laughs> regionals just because there's a little more variance than i'd like there to be and it feels like even if i do everything correctly there is games that i won't win because, and that I don't think should ever be the case sometimes, so um, I think maybe next rotation might help, I don't know what'll help um, I like a lot of the new cards they're releasing that seem pretty cool um, and the direction they're going, but uh, I have not very high expectations of Salt Lake City I, I, I like for example, Nigo harasses me pretty much daily, and I'm just like, he's like you're gonna go O four 4 drop with Wormadam, and I'm like yeah, I probably will go 0-4 <laughs> drop, but it won't be with Wormadam <laughs>
1: I was going to say, oh, and to go off the Zorark thing too, just because this one co- pops up on social media all the time, people are like, Arceus is the Zorark of this format and all this stuff, but it's like, to go off of what you all said, Zorark could miss turn one Bridget and still win plenty of times. Arceus can't really miss the turn one Arceus energy attachment or have it not
2: get bossed and still win the
1: game. Like, you can technically, I've done it, but it's
0: not very yeah, often. Yeah,
2: the game was like 10 turns and now it's 2 turns,
0: in Zorak, it was like your scariest Nightmare scenario was just Buzzrock popping something on like turn two. Um, and even then you had comeback potential with Mui X and stuff like that.
1: Not Snapdragon asks, with a centralized meta, does control become a good play? And Pedro, I know you're more of the control player, I would assume, so... Is control a realistic thing? Is there a way that we can build a control deck that beats Arceus and Mew consistently, or is that just some copium?
2: Um, I was trying to figure out any control deck um, that can checkmate Mew or can checkmate Arceus. We're trying, we're cooking something, um, but we still don't have it yet, um, because Mew is Mew. Um, But uh, every time we said, yeah, we lost to Mew, we said, no, 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 there is only one top player playing Mio, you know, the others, you can beat them, right? So you can check me then. So we trying something, we're cooking. Uh, but yeah, and the controls archetype that six right now, like Durant, for example, if we consider that as a control deck, I think Durant is um, like the One Price Attacker Dark deck that you can beat a lot of players because people don't know how to play against Durant, but if you face a good player, um, they will probably just Psychic Loop with Mew um, without benching almost anything. Or Double Arcus with Care between both, or just retreating between both, um, and beat uh, Durant. But yeah, it was funny, because a lot of friends told me, yo, Durant is the best deck, because in this online tournament, this guy beats 8 Mews in 10 rounds. And then I play the matchup, and I always win with, me, with Mew, right? So, of course Control can do well um and yeah if you don't face a top player the deck is pretty good um but yeah i'm sure uh, there is something uh, still f- uh, for this uh, for to discover for sure because for example in europe we have like alessandro Cremascoli or sander that yep. i'm sure they will for sure will bring something really cool and um the surprise factor is super important so um after liverpool that they will play probably a control deck i guess um then we'll probably discover something cool. Um, but for now, we didn't discover anything yet um, to try to have a good chance against Mew and Arceus uh, so far. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because people are always like, oh, you just Evelt all Mew, especially after Natalie's list. you are like, oh, they always win. But it's like, you can just psychically leap the energy back in. You better have another win condition for your which technically they do right you can always boss trap over and over again like is sure why not something will come up like you said alessandro and uh sander are terrifying individuals when it comes to coming up with decks but like you can just put the energies back in their deck and be kind of fine <laughs> yep. uh next question is gyroscope ev asks what is your go-to ice cream flavor I had to throw a curveball in there. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you can't beat a good vanilla. That's the only incorrect answer I could have imagined. See,
2: <laughs> Depends on the day. Um, stra- I like a strawberry or chocolate,
0: literally anything Depends with chocolate. The- I'm in. <laughs> I, I like prefer like sherbets and stuff like that, where it's like more sour and it can like be acceptable. So, I'm not like really an ice cream guy. But like, if I have to go with ice cream, I, I like pick like a fun flavor or just vanilla.
1: Okay, yeah. I thought vanilla was the worst possible answer, but saying you prefer sherbet became <laughs> the worst possible answer. <laughs> MetaCham asks a question for Pedro: Are you going to shave for Liverpool?
2: Um, yes, I'm a really lazy guy. Um, I only fit sexy for uh, important uh, events like a birthday of a friend or a tournament, right? Because, um, so yeah, there is no tournaments in years, so that's why I'm looking <laughs> like this. But I will be 10 years younger in Liverpool because I will haircut and shave for sure. Because, um, yeah, that that, remind me, that reminds me something that a good friend, a world champion friend told me, I won't say the name, <laughs> that um because there's a lot of world champions, uh, my (laughs) friends, uh, Gladly, In real life, tournaments and online tournaments are two completely different games, right? Um, You're playing two completely different games. It's not the same game. When you, uh, for example, when I start playing and I sit uh, in front of Thor, for example, I already lost the game because I was already already shaking because he's he's showing dominance when you face Thor, for putting an example, right? So you just lost just sitting uh, in, uh, against the uh, top players because a lot of players cannot control his nervous um, when you face a really known player, right? And that's a really important part uh, when you play. Um, so I remember that now, m- with with experience and more years happening, now is my some of my opponents would, who's shaking when they uh, face me, right? Because they start to be nervous because they know I'm a non-player and a top player, right? And that's super important, right? Because if you show dominance, you know what I mean? If you show, like, um, a, that you are a top player, that's actually a really important part uh, when you play in real-life um, tournaments um, because the psychological part is super important, right? Is That's not the same than playing in online tournaments in pyjama against a computer, right? That, you know... Uh, so yeah, um you need to uh when you play a tournament, you need to prepare all that stuff and one stuff. one important stuff is looking really good when you play a uh, Pokemon.
1: Yeah. You gotta intimidate your opponents. That's yeah, I mean, the TLDR.
2: <laughs> not in the bad part. I don't want to get uh, the DQ. The, the, the <laughs> I'm just saying that if you're a top player, a lot of people will just start shaking, and that's yeah. natural because that happens in football, for example, when Real Madrid or Barcelona face uh little team, the all the players, you know, super nervous. But if you don't face that teams, it happens in every sport, I guess. Um, yeah. So that's an important part. You, I mean, I, I don't want to intimidate. They, they, they intimidate themselves <laughs> just when I sit, right? So. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and there was a
0: a conversation I had with uh, I think I've actually the last uh, Salt Lake City regionals uh, with uh, Ricky Gao, if you guys might know him. He used to be like a very good player around the West Coast. He kind of has taken a step back um, since like the cash era. But Ricky uh, came up to me after... Like, a lot of people were watching one of my games, and I think my opponent... Like, I made a play that was just, like, a really big Hail Mary kind of deal, but I, like, did it with confidence. Like, no, no change in expression, just, like, a made the play, whatever. And then my opponent basically scooped after that. They had like a, they had game, like, on board, basically. And uh, I went and took the slip-up, and Ricky comes up and goes,
2: P- do people just do that because you're Rahul? And I'm like, sometimes, yes. I don't yeah, know why. I mean, it's a win condition. It's a win yeah. condition, actually. So I remember in a League Cup, I faced a friend... I beat my friend like 10-0, and one day he was winning, right? He had game in hand, and he couldn't do that. He's like, Pedro, I guess I have game. I was like, all right, do it. He said, I can't. I'm paralyzed. And that's something that, can, that actually happens, right? It happened to me when I won my first regional, uh, expanded on, on, on Germany. I was still a kind of new player, not that new, but kind of new. Um, and I had game against Thor. After Tor beating me like 10-0... Finally, I have game against Thor, and it happened to me. I was one minute shaking because I knew I had game, but I couldn't play the cards because the psychological part, the emotional part, is super important. And then Thor was like, "Was happening?" But I was like, I, "I have game." I was like, "I do." I was like, "I can't." Why? I was like, I'm so nervous, right? So that's actually super important, right? So more, better player you are, uh, it, it's better for you because some. A lot of players cannot control that. And it happened to me when I started playing, and now it's happening the other way. Um, but yeah, I actually made one day a Twitch um, streaming talking about that and how important it is. Uh, every part of the game, since you sit until you finish the game. Um, and that remembers the Dallas Regional that uh, my friend, uh, I don't remember the name, the one with um, the Gas on Do you remember the name, Raul? Mm. that face the guard the war guy worked, I, I don't remember now I don't the guy um, is from America well I don't, I, sorry for that because I don't remember the name but well that guy that won the Dallas regional maybe someone in the chat knows the knows the name um, it oh, started playing, sorry? was it Hunter? yeah Hunter exactly yeah. so Hunter started playing um, and before seeding he was you know showing the hand Before sitting, and the other guy was already sitting. So you're just starting correctly and showing, or I'm here to play the finals against you. While the other player was just sitting and saying, okay, hello. I was like, Hunter is winning already before starting the game. Just for that. Uh, And then when he was playing, he was showing confidence every play he did. Right? And I analyzed that game because it's one of my favorite games about psychological part and about the emotional parts. Because... For me, Hunter was winning all the game, not only in the paper. it was winning in the confidence. In the When he won game one, he was like, yes, stuff like that. The opponent was super intimidated, and Hunter was just playing the game. But how Hunter was playing the game was the important part. And it was something I analyzed and was pretty cool. Um, because that's something that no one talks about, and I guess it's a really important part of the game. Yeah.
0: It's uh, just a the last tack on to that. I know this point's been going for a while. Is like something that some of my opponents have told me in the past is like, I play with so much confidence. And I know Pedro has probably done the same thing with Tord. Like the way they play, you play with confidence, you play with speed, that it, in their mind, they feel like they have to think less and they have to like react to that speed and match that speed sometimes. And you don't have to do this as a player. You never ever have to do this. So like if Pedro plays super fast against me, I will take my time and play my turn. Like I don't need to match his speed. I know that. But so players bad, right? will get caught up in my speed all the time. And they will make mistakes. And this has happened so frequently because if anyone's watched me play, I do not play slow. <laughs> I know
2: what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it fast. Yeah. I learned that in chess. In chess, um, sometimes I play faster my, my games on chess, and opponents just put nervous just for that. And you need to have a keep calm, like Raul said, um, and try to take your time. But you kind of, uh, you know, the opponent, because the pace of the game, they start playing faster, 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 and they start to be nervous, and maybe they do misplays, right? Um, I learned that on chess, and it happens a lot, and it actually in TCG happens a lot too. Because I know I can play fast um, in the same piece all the game, because I, I know what I'm doing and I know I'm doing correct plays. But maybe my opponent needs more time to think, and like Raul said, Raul has the piece to actually right, take his time, take, take his time, but not a lot of people is able to do that because they start to put nervous, alright, he's playing fast, I need to play faster too, and they, become, they, they do some misplays sometimes. Yeah.
1: I feel like there was so much knowledge in the past couple of minutes that, <laughs> that, like, everyone should, like, go back and re-listen to all of that as well, because that was
2: just so good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Everyone so, can actually watch the Hunter finals, um, because it's good. in YouTube. Yeah. And, yeah, Hunter is playing, and when the opponent is actually playing, Hunter is just watching the eyes of the opponent. And yeah. something like that, the opponent was, like, super intimidated. And all the game, I analyzed it on Twitch, and it was... Pretty cool because a lot it's, of people. Was super interesting to know and to, uh, you know, to gain information about that because it's a super important part of top players um, to uh, get success um, in tournaments.
0: It's going to sound super silly, but like
2: uh, a player from old school,
0: Ryan Stablehouse, I think he's won six regionals in the past. Uh, Ryan used to tell me that he would sit on his feet, like he would sit in a weird position because he wanted yeah. to always be taller than his opponent.
2: Exactly. Because he's That's like.
0: Right. He's like, I, am go- I want to intimidate them purely by being taller than them. Even though the man's like 5'4", he like would sit on his feet to always have the height advantage.
2: Like The game has so many little factors that actually matters a lot. And not a lot of people use all the factors because they probably think they are not relevant. And they're actually super relevant. They actually won you games. Um, I remember one game, I priced triple DCE. Um, one DCE gave me the win. And I priced triple DC in the original I won, right? And then I knew I priced triple DC, right? But I could say, oh, I priced triple DC, right? So then I draw the computer search. I show the computer search to my opponent. I was like, yes. And he actually scooped it before <laughs> I used my computer search. If I will just draw, use, check my data, he will probably just wait. But I knew I, I priced triple DC and I couldn't win the game anymore. <laughs> I needed to do that to have more chance of my winning a scoop. It actually worked. I just top deck, show the computer search, say yes. Computer mm-hmm. search, take my deck, and my winning already scoop. And he he never knew I priced my triple double colorless So it's some stuff that uh, you know. And I'm I'm not cheating. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just doing my best out to try to win every single ring, every single round, every single game. And that was the best how to win, show, showing confidence that I already win the game. And if my opponent didn't scoop, then, oh, oh I price, Oh, But he actually scooped it because I show so much confidence in that play, for example. See, that kind of stuff will not
0: work Like if it's like me and Pedro across the table a lot of the time. Because if like, Pedro grabs a computer search, I'm like, okay, go next. What are you going to do? do with that? Show <laughs>
2: me a
0: DC. But the highest level is like, the same thing with scoop. I'll be like, Pedro, show me the d c l i scoop right now. And like... Exactly. And he'll trust what I'm saying, because like if he shows me the DC, i like, okay, that's good. Let's go next, because I know at exactly. that point it's done.
1: Three more questions, if sure. you're all fine with that. This one can be a quick one, but I got to ask for my homie. Sancho asks, what about Gormandai's Snorlax and Gengar, yay or nay? No.
2: Um, I don't think so. I guess it's better to just go four offs of yeah. um, Quick Ball Ultra Balls, Battle be Pass, Research, Marnie um than taking a turn so just try to be fast if you go second you have eight supporters to draw if you go first you have four uh, eight balls plus four battle bp pass plus your four 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 basics yeah. in my opinion now
1: dunsparce op asks "Sell me on why malamar is the play and they're talking about the rapid strike not the mali v max which is not Oops. So, Rapid Strike Mally. And both of you have been very down on it. Before we started the podcast, I said... And you were just like, no, don't play that ever.
0: So, you can also unsell us on Rapid Strike Mally if you want. Um, I can't really sell you on it. I think it will win games. And I think it's, like, decent as a deck. I just think um it has way too many close calls. It uh, has the same uh, factor of sometimes i'm not going to hit the damage numbers i need decks are playing too much healing at the moment and also um time time is a huge huge issue when coming to decks like that for me because even though you're not actually doing a lot you need to like you're going to be level balling on your own turn you're going to be evo incensing on your own turn you're going to be cynthia's ambitioning on your own turn Octillery searching on your own turn you yourself are probably taking two to three minutes on just searches on your own turn before you even get to your attack um so even if your opponent is not, like, you know, playing slower or something, you are eating your own clock, and that doesn't feel good.
2: Um, I agree. I guess timer is the main problem. I don't consider <coughs> the deck for now. I start to play in the deck today on streaming. I play Malamar, and in, like, three hours, I literally beat everything other than Jolton, I feel like two Jolteons uh, that I lost because I don't play Manafi. But I beat Mews, Arceus, and felt super easy to beat them. But I feel in real life, best of three, um, I guess like roll set timer could be a problem, and it's actually a deck that is not for me. I guess because I'm thirty years old and it's um, really stressful to weave one card for the knockout, right? It's, you are it's like best between, right? You need to you Cynthia it's like, all right I need seven of these eight cards, or I lose, and it's uh, too much stress for me. I prefer to Arceus attach pass and then. Arcus the double turbo research and playing, yeah Malamar is cool, right? Of course. Like sometimes I lose, sometimes I win against uh, Malamar, but it looks it looks like so stressful. Um, you need to hit exactly cards. Uh, because if you with one, you then you cannot win anymore. But mainly it's not like that. It's like the timer. I guess timer could be a problem. But then I thought I talk about that with Limitless, um, guys, that maybe Malamar take less time uh, in real life than online when you, for example, attack and start to shuffle, the opponent start their turn. But yeah, timer, I guess, could be a problem in general. Um, and that's why we talk about the Dark uh, Intellion One Price Attacker Day. Attack. Um, of course, if you face a player that place in a normal piece or fast piece, it's fine. But after two years without the events, I spent a lot of new players. Yeah. That's probably his first tournament. Uh, even us, even Raul and I will probably play slower than two years before because we don't have yeah. that experience and that practice um, of playing every single weekend. Um so yeah, I guess that could be a problem. But if you practice a lot I, I always said if you practice a lot every kind of deck, um you can play whatever because you know you will play a lot of fast. But Malamar you actually need to think and do the maths perfectly and that's actually I'm always going on time Uh, the ding ding stuff in tcgo imagine in real life is going to be more stressful right
1: you better be very good at multiplying by four i was helping a friend test the deck (laughs) and like he he is good at math he is smart he's a good trading card game player but the amount of time he had to sit there and count out his cards to kind of like make sure like oh i've got this i've got this i've got this which is something you can do irl and not tcgo right so that is Technically possibly faster, but also if you're taking 30 seconds to just double check your math multiple times, that's a long time, every single knockout. So yeah, Rapid Strike Malley is a I think it's a very good deck. I think it's a, I, I said this earlier on stream or on a different stream, and I think it is a very North American deck, and I think it will do well. It, it blows stuff up, it pops stuff in the face which is all, it's the Baby Blounds, right? Like, it's definitely something that I think will show up at SLC.
0: (laughs) I will not be playing anything with Baby Blounds (laughs) again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, don't play it. Or do play, actually do play it, because I'm 90% sure whatever I play is going to beat it. Charon's Care (laughs) against that deck is
2: quite nice.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
2: Yeah, when I play Charon Care, it's like, if they hit 320, my Arcos, I scoop. If not, I win, right? It's most likely like that. That's exactly what you it play is. Luminium, you can Luminion Loop twice and then wins. If you play Dark, we play B Max to hit and run every single turn, so you win. Um, so mainly all the Arcus variants, well, the other day I played on the Metafy, the Stowed Land to beat Malamar, so you can see Xagun, Ink and Stowed Land for two prizes, the Inkey. Um, so every, every deck I play, I touch for Malamar, and it becomes to, all right, in the water, I Luminium Loop, in the dark, I b max loop in the non uh, any of them i just stole land can you 320 my arcus? then i scoop if not i win right so sometimes it becomes to that because malamar gonna just hit the active forever
1: also best win condition all Mali players if you do not already know this you have to learn to play around it quick shooting quick shooting scoop up net quick shooting ko inke off the bench ko active mali. That is your single prize deck just lost both of its attackers, and that is yeah, something Arceus and Teleon can not only do but do literally every game because you're not disrupting their hand. So you better you better have a way out of triple quick shooting pinging in in Gay off the bench.
2: Yeah, that's what I feel playing Malamar today. I only lost to snipe bench. If I don't break and people don't snipe my bench, I win normally against every deck, right? It's, it's a good deck
1: <laughs> Mr. Darth Bean asked, last question. Natalie had her lucky banana bread that she ate before regionals. Do y'all have your own superstitions? And where are we getting banana bread on Saturday? So do y'all have your own pre-regional superstitions?
2: I have countless superstitions. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> take one more saying all of them. Um, but time to time... I'm trying to... Uh, that this uh, superstition doesn't... Uh, hopefully don't affect me um, like before, that I was like super, super stressed. Now I guess I take the things with more calm, but I still have a lot of superstitions. For example, one of them is... before the tournament I just eat whatever, not a lot because I don't want to feel full, but maybe just a chocolate something, like something to have a sugar in my brain to try to think better and faster, right? So, any tournament I play, I mean, don't do that, okay? That's, the Pikachu trophy is not that fault, right? It's my own fault. Um when I play a tournament, but don't do that, until, if, if I don't lose, I mean, I, I don't eat until I lose a game, uh, a round, sorry. So, my friends are, start to be worrying to me when, like, are you fine, Pedro? Because you are 6-0. That means you are 7 hours without eating. So. Yeah, that's one of the superstitions I have. I don't eat until I lose a round, and sometimes I don't lose a round of the day, and then I'm super hungry at the end of the tournament, right? But um, yeah, that's one of them I have. um But don't do that. Just eat uh, between rounds if you can, like uh, something.
1: <laughs> what are yours, Rahul?
0: Um, so the the one that everyone kind of knows that I do is I will not play without pink dragon shields. Um. Mm-hmm. Historically, I know it's like really stupid, but like every tournament I've done poorly is without pink dragon shields. And I always blame the reason that I lose on stream is because they uh pick because dragon shields are reflective uh, on stream, so they switch them out to eclipses and they never have pink eclipses. I always ask, so I end up getting put into like red or blue eclipses, and I never ever went on stream when I with these eclipses. <laughs> um, so it feels terrible. Um, and then I listen to the same song all day. Um, I will not switch it up. Like I will pick a song at the beginning of the day, whatever the vibe is. Um, It will range anywhere from like hard rap to just like a chill EDM beat or something. And that'll be like my vibe for the day. Um, So I will like either love or hate the song by the end of it. And so like personally, when I go into my playlist, there are songs where I have like very fond memories of tournaments, Uh, but I will like have it on loop the entire tournament. Like I will not deviate from the song. I feel like if I move from the song, whatever like vibe I have is gone. For the day like whatever momentum i have is gone and it just i don't i don't really get it but at that and i also do the same thing pedro does with food <laughs> so i just don't eat <laughs> uh i i prefer to overcaffeinate um otherwise so uh i'll have to see how that works out for me cuz i don't normally eat breakfast or anything but i'm going to try to eat like a decent breakfast uh before i head in um so i don't like die uh cuz uh, every time like i will eat the moment i lose and sometimes or a tie i guess i'll do when i tie and I don't really want to pay, like, $8 at a Starbucks for, you know, like, a piece of bread.
2: Yeah, no, another thing I have, like, I always use the same slips, like, um, same color, same uh, brand, stuff like that. Always when I start a game, every time I start a game, I need to put, yeah, I need to put the the dices in a proper way. Um, because if not, I start to become nervous, stuff like that. So my, the friends that know me, before starting the game, they move my dices, for example, right? They know that's uh, one of the win conditions before starting the game, right? As I said, everything counts when you play a tournament. Um, and my friends knows that if they move my dice before the round, they know I'm struggling a bit. So that's yeah, I have countless stuff like this, but that's uh, some of them. I
1: have to share my two real quick. Uh, the first one, I always walk into a place with a jacket and I have to take it off right when I sit down for round one. That is always I don't know why. I guess because it's wintertime here and all the stores are warm enough where that's just become a thing that I have to do. Uh, Friends always say it's the intimidation factor for the tattoos and the muscles, but you know what? I'll take whatever one works there. And the second one, which is going to stress out a lot of people that listen to this, I will not play a single game the day before and I will not touch my deck the entire day before the tournament. I have twice in my life Played games or touch the deck or anything the one time was santa clara regionals the only regional i did not earn cp in and the other time was right before the top 16 for the players cup into the world stuff with a very favored bracket in the winner's bracket no way i lose and i tested and i lost so because of that i will not touch the deck i will not play a single game that it's decided thursday night it's sleeved up in my backpack sitting in my car ready to go on the plane That is. I will never ever ever touch a deck because it didn't work twice, and it worked the other six or seven or whatever times.
2: Yeah, I guess all this stuff is a defense mechanism of your of our brain to feel better in general or to feel more confidence. Um, yeah. So don't worry, Chad, if you have a lot of um, uh, superstitions because I have probably <laughs> a lot, then uh, I cannot even count them, and I was uh, I had success results. It's like if, if you like tennis chat, um, Rafael Nadal from Spain, he's crazy playing. Every time he, he needs to do million stuff before, you know, uh, playing uh, every single ball and he's Rafael Nadal, right? Um, so yeah, don't feel bad. I guess that everything yeah. feels you better and you you more confident to play the game and you are not, um, uh, you know, if you feel better with that, just don't worry. If it's something about you, of course, if it's something not with other people, right? Um, I also have a charm uh, that no one knows that I always bring with me to every tournament. Um, I will only show that charm to the world if one day I win wars. That probably won't happen, so no one will know my charm that uh, helped me to get success, I guess.
1: You'll get there. After me, of course, <laughs> but you'll get there.
2: All right, that's fair. <laughs>
0: So, uh, Rahul, if the people want more of you, where can they find more from you? Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun being here. Uh, I always like talking to Pedro and like, t- like talking to you. It's always a fantastic time. Uh, you can find me at Rahul Ready. It's just my name on YouTube. And on Twitter, it's the t h e f l and then 4Es. Those are pretty much the main places you'll find me. Um, saying some stupid stuff, doing some stupid things. And that's pretty much it. Pedro, what about you?
2: Um, as I said, um, well, thank you for having me. It was really fun. It was my second time here, I guess. Um, it was pretty good. I always have fun. I One of the more things I love more um, about content creation, um, like you doing now, a really good work with your Twitch channel, YouTube, and the podcast, probably the best, if not one of the best for sure, um, is to talk, I guess, <laughs> especially in these times after two years with no contact with anyone. Um, I guess we do a lot of a really good work for people that they are alone at home, or they don't have friends, or they just feel sad, and if this content that you do in Melo, helps some people to feel better, or to have a good day, we're actually doing a lot of work. That um, Of course we are not in the level of psychological people that uh, helps you in a big problem, but we're doing a little part, and if people listening to this or watching you, Melo, um, feels better or because they are alone or whatever, especially in these times that a lot of people lose uh, some so much familiars and friends because of the vi- uh, of the virus. It's uh, pretty good, and it's actually uh, no value, right? Uh, what we do in some. Thank you for that. I really like to talk, and I guess people really enjoy these talks, uh, which is pretty good. Um, and yeah, uh, as I said, I'm trying to not use social medias. Uh, more time I it passed, so I'm kind of not using any social medias anymore. But uh, I guess I will post on Twitter sometimes, Um, after playing a tournament, I guess, so you can find me on Twitter uh, Sininchi and I'm doing Twitch um, every day now, testing for regionals I will probably leave Twitch um, next month, but we have like one two months still on Twitch, so that you can find me on uh, Twitch TV Sininchi too, Um, and yeah, you can also find me uh, I do coaching, Uh, you can just um, send me a private message, or just book on Metafy I had a lot of um, Coaching sessions uh, these days because of the regionals and people normally uh, enjoy them. So, if you want to have a last talk uh, tournament or just, um, you know, some coaching sessions, you can find me on MetaFi. So, yeah, it's mainly Sininchi in Twitter, Twitch, and MetaFi. Yeah, you can find me there.
0: Rahul, since you didn't mention it, do you also coach? I do. Uh, I kind of forgot about that. I've been, <laughs> I've been also like Peter having a very, um, very busy week myself as well. Uh, it's been very exciting to see a lot of newer players uh, getting coaching and being enthusiastic about the season. Uh, it is a little disheartening to tell them that uh, as a newer player, it'll probably be difficult to get their invite unless they pop off. But uh, a lot of people seem very enthusiastic about like going from that casual pickup over the last two years into competitive and like actually traveling and making that effort. And that really you know, is what we do this for, right? Like We do this because we want to grow the game and we all love the game and it's a huge part of our lives. So the bigger the game gets, the better for us.
1: And of course, I can't follow everything that Pedro said, because that was amazing. But thank you both for being on. Uh, you can find myself at Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.